We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roos podcast. This is episode 268 of The Pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. It's a big three week. Might not feel like it. Two and one is two and one. Uh, even if you won on a last second banger by uh, the kicker on Sunday. But um, the Bears improved to two and one on what was maybe the most alarming Justin Fields performance that I can remember. Um, didn't love what I saw sort of went bad on him and I'm sort of stuck there. We'll get to all of it, but first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? I'm doing good. I think I feel a little bit better. I don't feel great about the win. Uh, it's weird to say that. I, f- I think I feel a little bit better about it than most. Uh, obviously, the the questions are there for the quarterback position, but I'm feeling overall, I, I think I feel a little bit better about that win than a lot of people. Um, tell me why, because I don't. Um, I, it wasn't against a very good football team, obviously, but I thought defensively, again, you saw a, a group that figured things out in the second half, put things together and kept the team out of the end zone like they have in all three games this year. They, they still haven't allowed a second half touchdown. I think your offensive line is, well, they're struggling in pass protection, and I don't think that's, I think that has part of the reason for Justin Fields' struggles, obviously not all of it, but I think that contributes to a decent amount of it. Uh, I think the offensive line has really found themselves in the run game. And I don't, I don't want, this doesn't feel like the, the three and O's of the Nagy era where it was all smoke and mirrors. It was, you know, pulling off some, some weird flugy plays and then somehow finding ways to win games. They've won a couple football games. Grand one was in the rain, but they've won a couple football games by establishing the run game, playing disciplined football and just beating people up up front. And I think that's something that, well, is that going to win you a Super Bowl? No, is that, that it, I think it buys your quarterback a little bit of time to develop. And this coaching staff has kind of showed that they want to try and win football games in addition to developing Justin Fields, not the other way around, you know, have Justin Fields develop and hopefully win football games around the way. And I think what they've shown is they can run the football. And I think that's something important to establish going forward. I agree with the running the football thing, but like the development of Justin Fields is my biggest concern. He's regressed. He made, he made two, at least two throws. The two interceptions were unacceptable decisions. Like Mm. the, the ball over the middle, the like deep post over the middle was into a triple coverage and wasn't on the money. The other one was a terrible decision as well. Like it, I'm all for learning. I'm all for low expectation this season. I'm all for Justin taking steps forward and the team maybe not taking as big of steps with him. It's, it's yeah. happening in the inverse right now. The team yeah. looks like the offensive line is playing really well in the run game. Uh, the wide receivers, I think it's fair to say, have uh, outperformed the extremely low expectation that was put in front of them this season. I think that the defense has flown around Roquan as high as expectations as we have for him, 16 tackles. Uh, after Shout out him. Had a terrible game against Green Bay and then bounced back and was all over the field against Houston. It was a really nice bounce back. goes for 16 tackles. Um, the secondary looks good. Eddie Jackson has kind of flipped the bird to his haters, although that interception was, I mean, you or I could have picked it off. It got tipped. Still did him, but <laughs> still, still, did it. Still, still made the play, which is more than could be said in years past. Mm-hmm. The team looks to be taking step forward. The quarterback looks to be regressing. That's yeah. not a good thing. It's it's not a good thing. Um, and the, and it, I'm sorry to cut you ahead. off again. No, no, just, to refute, just to refute your other thing, like, you know, they've won a couple of games. It's all how you frame it. But you win in a monsoon against a team that beats you on a level playing field any other day. And you win in a game-winning field goal fashion against what might be the team picking first at the end of the season. So I, I just – I'm not putting lipstick on that pig right now. Like, they've they've been – ugly wins. We, we kind of branded the first win as like, yeah, team morale. They went out there and played on that field and Nagy's teams would have quit. Okay, fine. And then Houston, I just can't, I can't talk myself into this Houston win being a good win. I, I, I didn't, I'm not necessarily going out and saying it's a good win. There are a lot of things I'd like to change from it, namely the quarterback performance. And I, I'm, if we had a Justin Fields concern meter, if it was at a three entering that game, I probably have it up to like a five or a six now because it seems like things this year for him have sped up, which like, like last year I didn't, 
Last year, it didn't seem like he felt rushed or overwhelmed in the pocket at times, maybe here and there, but for the most part, it seemed like he was kind of cool, calm, and collected. Now it seems like things might have picked up for him in terms of like, you know, game speed. It seems like things are moving a little bit faster. Um, it, it seems like he's processing things a little bit slower. I don't know if that's a new offense. I don't know if that's a him getting used to being in a run first offense as opposed to an offense where he's asked, you know, kind of put labeled as the guy, you know, the, the offense runs through him. I don't know if it's an, an adjustment for him being second fiddle, but something there needs to change. There's obviously some time to do it. We have all season. We've said we're giving them all year. This was a bad step back. And I, I do love the fact that, you know, he's owning up to it, that he's working hard to, to try and fix it. But at some point I need to see those. We've seen the physical flashes I need to start seeing the mental yeah. um, intangibles aren't the right word because I think he has the right intangibles, but you know what I mean? The, the mental, the processing, the, the brain brainiac side of the, like the, that I, I yeah, can't you got it. You got to do it. It's gotta the gotta mental it side. Your, you yeah, got to do it between I need, your ears before your physical can yeah, show. I think I the physical you, tools are like, he's the physical tools are just farther ahead than the head is right now. And that's what I need to start seeing signs of, because I've seen enough of the physical tools between last year and at times, you know, here and there this year, whatever, like the physical tools are no doubt about it there. We need to start seeing the mental side of the game, catch up with it. And I I know it's a new system. He's had some tough defenses to go up against, but like we need to start seeing it, but it doesn't have to be all four quarters of every game, but we need to start seeing signs and need to start progressing. I agree with what you're saying, but what I'm saying to you is that that maturation, that mental process, the speed in which it happens in today's NFL does not occur in a clean pocket. Last mm-hmm. year's median pass rush win rate, win rate, excuse me, was 41%. So the average quarterback on about half of his dropbacks is going to deal with pressure in his face. You have to be able to make that decision in a muddy pocket. You have mm-hmm. to be able to step to the right place. You have to be able to navigate that. And that is his biggest asset is the mobility and the ability to extend the play. And he yeah. does that in, in such a great way. And and he's ripped off a couple long runs and first downs already this season. And we've seen that shine, but it's also the stepping up into the pocket to buy the extra half second to then make the right decision, which sometimes is delivering the ball on time and in a tight window. Like Mm -hmm. it's never, this is not going to be, Hey, you know, fields was dealing with some pressure. So we can't really, we can't really figure out what he is. No, that's what he is. That's what the NFL is. The NFL is under pressure, specifically 41%. Um, That was last year's number. It's going to be higher this year because that's when the trend and defenses do win at that rate. It's going to be probably closer to 45% this year. So, I mean, pressure in his face or not, got to be better. I mean, we, we can take, we can live with a five yard sack. We can't live with what the hell was that throw? You know, we can't live with where, we can't live with what did he see there? You know, mm-hmm. because sometimes you look at it from the um, from the broadcast angle and it doesn't really scream at you. And then you look at it from the all 22 end zone angle and that interception he threw over the middle was what Oof. did you see yeah. there? You know, it can't be that bad. It seems like it, it seems like to me that, uh, the, the, that obviously he's struggling with the pressure and with it being a new offense and a new system. It's almost like he's looking at that first read. And because he's such a good runner, which he absolutely is an incredible athlete, and he's, uh, like you said, picked up some, some yards on, on big-time scrambles this year, seems like first read, I'm either for, it's either open, I'm forcing it, or I'm tucking and running. And that is yeah. not – and, you know, sometimes with quarterbacks from, you know, programs – I'm not – I don't want to buy into the all-Ohio State quarterbacks programs. fail because programs. that's – that's programs. Excuse me. I think that's uh, – it's a dumb – idea but sometimes I, I think quarterbacks coming from a place like an Ohio State or unless obviously not Alabama at this point but you know a big time program with big time offenses and you're really mm-hmm. efficient you don't have to learn how to really throw under pressure because that first read is almost always schemed to be wide open and half like 11 of the 13 teams you're playing when you're at Ohio State don't have players that are nearly as good as yours and they're not going to be able to keep up with your receivers and they're not like their schemes are 
going to fail because well, your first rate's going everything to be speeds up. Whatever. It gets harder. Yes. Everything you know? speeds up. But I think what I'm saying is like when you're at a program like program, excuse me, Thank like you. that, things get a, like things are a little bit easier. You don't have to worry about things slowing down because that first read's almost always there. And if it's not, you got someone deep on your second read that's going to be open and you got all the time in the world. So it's it's an adjustment period to one a new system to learning how to be under pressure. And you know, like we've talked about on this podcast with great quarterbacks too. They throw their receivers open. That receiver, yeah. that first read, isn't always going to look open. But if you put the ball in the right spot, you can throw that receiver open. And I think these are all adjustments Justin Fields is going to have to make. Um, uh, yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday was a very, very clear step back. Um, he's going to have to start seeing those and making those throws because the physical tools are there. He's going to have to start getting used to an uncomfortable pocket because that's going to be a thing. Like you said, that's just the NFL. And with this Bears offensive line, as good as they are in run blocking, the pass blocking definitely tends to struggle at times. He's going to have to learn how to see that throw in a muddy pocket and throw some receivers open or look at the uh-huh. second read and make a nice throw. Because there were a couple times where that second read was quite open. Like, that, that's happened yeah. a couple times this year where you know he's not forced one into Byron Pringle or Mooney, but like kind of hit yeah. one of them for an 11 yard game when you've had St. Brown open on a streak on your second read. So he's going to have to learn to go through those progressions in a muddy pocket. So that's just going to be a thing. I do want to address a couple things outside of Justin Fields here. With sure. Bears. We have to uh, specifically, you know, I know we mentioned Roquan, but I think on the offensive side of the ball, the real highlight was Khalil Herbert and yeah. just the way he seamlessly. Then, you know, that was, uh, again, we always talk about like expectation, but like don't don't have the performance lost on you because someone met expectation. He has time and again showed the ability to just like seamlessly step into whatever down distance mm-hmm. role expectation is put in front of him. And then you see that kind of extrapolated out over almost the full game sample size and rumble young man rumble like he was fantastic. And not to say that. David Montgomery isn't, and if he is out for any extended amount of time, they haven't assigned IR just yet. I, I believe it was day to day, but they're not ruling IR out, which is unbelievable. Four weeks, right? Yeah, I think right, it, it, that's kind of what they had him tasked. That, that probably last, seems right for him. Was it last year or the year before that it looked like he blew his knee out and didn't? Like, he's had a couple injuries that look looked terrible. terrible. I think it was last year, might, early last year. I mean, look. Me knocking out, like knock on wood, the guy is made of something special, uh, David Montgomery, that he hasn't gotten like season ending type hurt on a couple of these gruesome roll ups. Um, mm-hmm. But to have that bridge to four weeks or that um, future of the position within the franchise right there in the wings, I think it's a place that the Bears continually do not get credit for is what they've done in the running back room over the last couple of years, the depth that they've had, whether it's you want to go back, if, go if back far to Jordan back Howard. Is, Jordan Howard, go back to what Tariq Cohen meant to the running game and sort of the variability of that backfield. They've been too deep for a very long time. We've been very lucky for that. In fact, what did you make of Herbert here? I know you give a lot of credit up front and you should. Herbert, Herbert, I think, is a great fit for this team. I think we talked about it a little bit in the Niners game. It seems like he... He's a, he's a little bit more of a patient runner than David Montgomery. I, I feel like Monty gets that. And that's it, it's a pretty good thing to have one of each of those. One of those, you know, Monty is get the ball. I'm hitting the hole now, and I'm picking up three, four yards. Like, And, and eventually he's going to break one of those. There are a couple zone schemes, which Bears run a lot of zone scheme blocking. There, there are a lot of those inside zones that you watch the All-22 that Herbert is patient patient waits for that hole to open up and then just absolutely hits it. I think he's a really, really good running back for the zone scheme. And I think he's a perfect kind of compliment to Monty, even though they're both, neither of them is really the, the speed burner. Uh, both of them are a little bit more, you know, tougher physical runners. I, I think the way that they run, the way that they hit holes is very complimentary to each other. Um, and I think he's a, a perfect fit behind this offensive line in his own scheme because man, he just, he's patient, he's patient. Then boom, that hole hits it. And then he's, he's gone for, you know, seven, eight, nine. Sometimes he busts those 20 yard runs. I thought he just ran the ball fantastically. And you know, that that's going to be the, that's going to be the way that this team wins football games. However many it is, it's going to be ball control, clock control handed off uh, copious amounts of time. It's not going to be the sexiest, but again, we, we sort of have to step back and look at it as like, what is the objective this year? Is it to win football games? Is it to develop Justin Fields? It's probably both of those things, but which comes mm-hmm. first? Because the development of Justin Fields right now is being stunted by the unwillingness to throw the football because 
45 pass attempts through three games is not development. That's Correct. that's a play caller calling plays to win games and we'll figure out the quarterback thing when he's ready to figure it out. Those 45 attempts through three weeks is the fewest since the 1982 Patriots. 1982. You want to you want to know the other teams on that list that have that have attempted 37 or or excuse me, 45 or fewer passes since 1970? The 82 Patriots, the 74 Bills, the 72 Bears, the 72 Falcons, the 73 Rams. 82 was the last time a team had attempted 44 or fewer passes in an NFL, in a three-game stretch of NFL football to start a season. It's It's got to be more than that. I don't yeah. care what the situation is. I don't care what the game script is. I don't care if we can win a game 19 to 17 by running the football all afternoon. Give me the loss and give me Justin Fields development. I, I, that's just where I'm at. I know it's weird because we're not winning anything this year. Like is sneaking into a wild card spot worth not knowing if we have a quarterback or not? Like I, I just don't understand I, I don't understand how those two things overlap or if they parallel or what the true goal is this season because you have an asset in Darnell Mooney who hasn't been challenged down the field yet. You have a, a, a tight end in Cole Komet that looks like he still might be something, but we don't know because he's only targeted mm-hmm. twice an afternoon. Like, I get it. It's not oh, – oh, they're not world beaters on the outside, but the field has to be stretched at some point. The ball has to be thrown. Yeah, I think at some point you have to find that balance. And I'm still, if, if this staff wants to, if their main goal is to win football games this year, like this is the NFL, I get it. This is a first-time head coach. You're coaching for your job, too. Your job that's is to win football games. Undoubtedly, that's and the like, top and, thing at the top. That's and, the thing at the exactly. top of the list. Win and the I damn totally get game. it. But I, at I some point, that. at some point, and I think I still think we'll see it. I, you know, I, I think they're just really easing Justin Fields into this, and I have I, I, I believe I, I trust in Luke Getze for now. I have no reason not to. Um, at some point, this needs. I'm not saying Justin Fields needs to throw the ball 30 to 35 times a game. That's, I am. That's, it's the I, NFL. I, I, I need to see him throwing 20. Like, we need to see 25 pass attempts, 27 pass attempts. See what he can kind of see what he can do in a more opened up playbook. And I do think we're going to see that going. I, I think we're going to start seeing that down the line. I, I don't think this is a very sustainable way of competing in today's NFL. I don't think we're going to see them in a playoff spot. So I think towards the end of the year, not the end of the year, towards kind of the middle of the season, I think you see once Justin Fields, it, it gets a little bit more comfortable in the playbook, maybe gets a little bit more comfortable um, with you know being under pressure, grows mentally in the game. Like I, I think we see the playbook open up a bit, but I'm with you. Like it has to, at some point they 17, uh, 17 pass attempts a game. I, I get it in week one when there's a monsoon, fine. But that needs to change and needs to change in the near future. And let me clarify we need to see more. too, because I'm not I'm not asking the kid to throw 30, 25 yard digs or yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 wide side comebacks. Like just mm-hmm. get some get some confidence in the passing game. Dump one off to yeah. Herbert. Um run That's some the- little nuanced flip stuff. Like uh, run run two jet sweeps out of the shotgun and there's two passing attempts. That's like just flip it forward. Like I, I'm not saying that the numbers justify the game plan, but like just make everybody shut up. Like let us get to 25. Like, and it doesn't have to be, it's not hard to get to 25 passing attempts. Like mm-hmm. we're not asking for the world here, but no. like the numbers do indicate something and they're not telling a great story right now for Justin. Yeah. Fields. I, this we had, we did have a bears mailbag this week from, from friend of the friend Shoot, of the podcast. Then we'll, then we'll no, no, this, this, this basically was the mailbag was, oh, okay. you, is it more important for you that this staff kind of learn it, builds more of a winning culture and sees these, you know, has because obviously Justin Fields is the most important person to develop on this roster. And it's not even close, but you yeah. do have other guys on this roster that, you know, you need, you have to develop, that have to learn how to win football games. If they're doing that, is it more important to develop a winning culture or get Justin Fields kind of developed? And I, I think it's, it's, it's getting Justin Fields developed and finding out what you have, but I still think like there's value in winning these games early on. And if at the end of the year, yeah, you, know, like, you, you uh, start opening things up and, you know, win or die with Justin, that's fine. But getting some of these guys a taste of winning and learning how to win close football games, I don't care if it's the Texans. I don't care if it's the 49ers. 
winning in the NFL is hard no matter who you play and getting a taste of winning when you haven't really had it here before and the culture was so bad, I do think is important. And to that point, I might be, you know, hitting the panic button a little bit early here on fields, but like to the point of building the winning winning culture, there's obviously value in that. I think you can build the winning culture while developing Justin Fields. I do too. Like, I, I think that those two things, I think they need to happen simultaneously. And, but to your point of like, what's, what's the objective here? Barring something catastrophic, Justin Fields is our starting quarterback next year. Like we're not shopping this offseason. We're not mm-hmm. shopping till next offseason. If it gets really bad, like, so we have 14 more games of it this year. And let's say 17 next year, you're looking at 31 games to figure out if Justin Fields is the guy. That's a ton of time. And yes, the game plan is going to look a lot different next week than it is in game 31. But we got to start moving yeah. that direction is all and I'm saying. I, I've, I've been I've been fairly complimentary of the offensive coaching staff so far because I think they put together game plans they can win. And clearly Luke Getze knows how to scheme up you know the run game because that's worked very well. I, I was talking with Rob throughout the game a little bit and after and one thing I think they've done a poor job of with Fields, and I, I know they're limited in receiver, but when you have a bad offensive line, or at least in, in the past, bro, the offensive line struggles. One thing that helps, you know, get defensive linemen on their toes a little bit, other than running, is the quick passing game. Is you know, quick two yard slants, quick hitches when you have you know uh, corners playing, not pressing, or playing screens, off. Whatever we have, we have not seen a lot of those quick hitter confidence building throws, and that's something I think you know. And it's human nature in, in any sport and anything you do when you when you have success, you know, in doing the easy things, you feel more comfortable getting challenged in the harder things. And if Justin Fields can hit a couple, you know, That's three yard now quick slants to Mooney, quick hitches to, you know, to St. Brown. We have not now that seen I'm thinking about it. He missed, so on, like, to see he missed on like two of those last week, too. Like he uh, missed on a little swing route screen. To, the swing route he did miss. But yeah, like, just. Better. Work some timing routes, get some quick slants, get some hitches in there. Just, hey, like, this is where you're going. Like, it's it's, it's two steps, look, and unless that guy's totally jumping it, we're, like, we're going there. Uh, I think that's something they can kind of build on, but um, uh, I'll, I'll still we need to see more. here before we move on. Um, I think Fields is aware of it, though. That's like step one. Oh, he's 100% aware of your inefficiencies. He's very yeah. unhappy with his play. That's number one. Number two, I love sitting here and talking about the players and not having to talk about the coach. Time and again, week after week, I'll applause Flus for what he's done over three weeks for the culture that he's starting the to. Guy, the guys are clearly for, buying into him exactly, and for saying. like what he says, what he's saying to these teams, whether it be at halftime or after the game. Like they believe in it, they're responding to it, and they are two and one. But it is time to get into what we saw when we saw it on Sunday. Mm. Uh, let's break down some of the action. I think we're going to do it similar to last week too, Matt. A simple like question that. on each side. Yeah. And we're going to start on Thursday night with the Browns and the Steelers. Browns went 29-17 to 17 over the Steelers. The question here, is it time to move on to the young man, Kenny Pickett? Not yet, I don't think. I, I, I mean, I think I, I trust Mike Tomlin in this regard. Like, there's no reason to not trust Mike Tomlin. And while you or I might be like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. It's time. That coach sees him in practice every day. That coach kind of knows what it takes. And if he thinks it's not time yet, they're, they're going to get to him at some point this year. We Just don't, if you don't think you need to rush it, you, you don't need to rush it. That, you don't. Look of, at the numbers. It hasn't been that bad. It, it's never going to look good with Mitch Trubisky. But numbers-wise, I think he's thrown like two touchdowns to one interception. Like, yeah, he hasn't been prolific, but it's Mitch Trubisky. You didn't, we were just gonna, he was just going to come out after being a backup behind Josh Allen and look like Josh Allen. Like, that's not how this works. We know who Mitch Trubisky is, and he looks exactly like who he is. We know who Jimmy Garoppolo is. He looked exactly like who Jimmy Garoppolo is. Like, these guys don't just, like, overnight change, especially with a five-year sample size in their back pocket. Mitch is Mitch, and I think he's the perfect guy to play 500 football before your young quarterback is ready to go. And I, I just find it hilarious how the same people that gave Bears fans, the same Pittsburgh fans that gave Bears fans a hard time about Justin Fields, or excuse me, about Mitch Trubisky, Christ on a cross, about Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> um, are now punting on Mitch Trubisky after 120 minutes or after 180 minutes of football. Like, three weeks. They were ready to punt after two weeks. It took two weeks for them to all quit on him. And we, we we stuck up for our guy for four years. I don't know. I just want, I guess I, I want a little bit of an applause uh, from, from the general public here. I don't know what I'm looking for. Can you hear that? I'm applauding. There I don't know if you can hear that in the microphone. Um, um, 
I yeah, want to ask you about. Do you have anything on uh, Browns? I mean, we don't. Oh, have to I, I, yeah, a little bit, but it's it's. I'm kicking a can down the road here, and as much as I don't like Deshaun Watson the person, like when when he comes back, if he's you know, not, he won't be firing on all cylinders right away. But like if he's playing like Deshaun Watson, where do the Browns rank in the AFC? Because that's a really really dangerous football team with how well they run the football. Um, dangerous is an er, is an interesting choice of words. You know what I mean. Um, they can be nothing more than a. I, I don't care. There's John Watson, Jacoby Brissett, um, Joe Montana. I don't see them being a divisional contender. They run the ball really well. We do not mm-hmm. give Nick Chubb the credit he deserves for what he does week in and week out. For some reason, like we're like we're like such a soup of the day conversation when it comes to running backs in the NFL, and he for some reason has always played second fiddle to. You know why injury. it is? He's always played second fiddle. Why is it? I think it's because, well, Derrick Henry's a little bit different. Like, Derrick Henry's just the most physical, like, power running back of all time. I think it's because Nick Nick Chubb is just, like, a true running back. Like, he's not a guy that you see split out very often. He's not very involved in the pass game. He's just in the run game. And I think a lot yeah, of these like, modern-day running backs Taylor outside of that, too. And I get it, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor produced at a higher rate last year, and that might be why we were glowing about him. But, like, we still we still want to laud CMC for being this dual-threat running back. And, yeah, he because is. The Browns. It's just like Nick Chubb is the reason that that offense goes regardless of who plays quarterback. But I do yeah. think that their steep ceiling this year is being a wild card team. And I do think that they get maybe one of those wild cards in that AFC. But yeah. Baltimore, for some reason, has quietly just beat everyone's teeth in outside of a heartbreaker against Miami in which they looked awesome offensively. Which they beat their anyway. teeth in for a little while. Yeah, I think that I think that that's Baltimore's division to lose. I think that Cincinnati gets better and finds it as the season goes on. I don't know to what extent, but you see what happens when they keep Joe Burrow upright. Two sacks mm-hmm. and he goes crazy and they win a game. So um, I think Cleveland's a good team. I don't think that they're a great team regardless of who their quarterback is. We talk Texans, Bears. Let's go Raiders and Titans. The Raiders are 0-3 this season. Uh, Josh McDaniels still has not won a football game as a head coach since week whatever 14 in denver a decade ago um matt how big of an issue is let's let's ask it this way what percentage of the problem is josh mcdaniels i don't know because like it's not like both games for them have been kind of a tale of two halves but it's not like they're starting slow in every game like they started slow in week one played great or sorry sorry slow the first half week one played a great second half then in week two, they come out firing and they play a great first half, and then they like they play a terrible second half. I don't know, kind of where the issue lies with Josh, whether it's Josh McDaniels, whether it's the team just not putting together a complete game. I really, whether it's not grasping the offensive system yet, I don't really know yet. It's really, it's a head scratcher because in both game or all three games they played, one half they look like the you know, AFC West contenders we thought they'd be. And then the next half, they look like they're picking first in the draft next year. I I cannot, I've never been more confused by a football team, I think, than I am by the Raiders through week three. Yeah, it's a hard team. I think you you really nailed there. It's a hard team to put your finger on because of what they've been through over the last 18 months and the way they responded last year to Rich Passaccia stepping Mm -hmm. in and then like culturally having to shift again under Josh McDaniels and you haven't seen that finger pointing from the players, which tells me that like they like the guy, they believe in the guy. It just hasn't equaled wins yet. I think it's more of a execution problem than it is a game plan problem. And like him being viable as a head coach, I do think he is. I just think um, they've caught a couple. They've caught a couple games that have gone the wrong way, and. It's only a matter of time until that finger pointing starts, whether it be from player to coach, coach to player. You can't be 0-3. If you're 0-3, you're dead in the water. Start thinking about next year. But the Raiders are good enough where they're going to win enough games where this 0-3 has no value. They're not going to. I don't think the Raiders have a top 10 pick next year. I'll say that. I think that they're I think that they're a better team than that. And they'll show that over time. So, like, it's just probably. It's just probably a really hard time to be in that facility and like believing that that belief has to be weared on right now, regardless of how much they like their coach or believe in him. Owen three will wear on that. Uh, from a Titans standpoint, I guess they, did we learn anything about the Titans, or is this more the Raiders just not showing up for half? I think I didn't. I didn't leave wildly impressed by the Titans after this one. No, but I also think that when you look at the grand scheme of that division. 
they're they're alive until they kill themselves. You know, yeah. like that 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 division does not impress me. I think that Tennessee again who you are week three and who you are week 13 can be night and day different. And the only way that it's night and day different is if you have the players, if you have the coach and if you've been there before, like if you've, you've played at that level before, I think that we've seen some encouraging things over the last few quarters of football out of Derrick Henry. Uh, I was, I was worried about him through about a game and a half, two games and he scores two games ago. He scores in this one. He looks a little bit more productive, looks a little bit more sure in his footing because Anytime we're talking about a 250 pound back who runs a little bit upright and had a broken foot, like it's like, how long is that going to linger for? So I think they have a lot of, I think the arrows pointing up. I think they have a lot of things that, um, that should make you optimistic about this team in that division specifically. Yeah. I'm with you. What do we got next? All right. Chiefs, Chiefs and Colts, uh, Colts pull off a 20 to 17 stunner. And this one just throughout had the feeling of, that one Kansas City game a year and that they just don't get off the bus. Last year mm-hmm. was against Tennessee. I think they scored three points in like a week 12 matchup or something like that. Um, yeah, like they, 20, almost yeah, they, squeak, murdered. they almost squeak one out against Colts team that if they would have lost would have been 0-2-1 and and would have had no reason to be optimistic about anything. But again, that division and Frank Reich's teams criminally underperforming in the first four weeks of the season. Um, I guess let, let's just go like, let's go... I don't know what questions I have about this game. I was going to, I have questions about both, but like, I'm going to give you Colts here and ask you like, is this, I don't even want to call it fool's gold, but is this false hope for a Colts team that showed you in the first two weeks that they can be awful and showed you here in week three that they can beat one of the best teams in the NFL? I guess which, which version of the Colts is closer to the reality? Probably the first two weeks, but I think this is going to be end up being the same Colts team we've seen the last few years under Frank Reich. They lose some weird head scratching games. They kind of get better as the season goes on. They lose at Jacksonville because the Colts always lose at Jacksonville, and they win some games that you're like, "How did they win that game?" Like this is just kind of who the Colts are, um, and that's why I never really get too high or too low on them because I think at the end of the year we'll see them nine and eight, 10 and seven competing for that AFC South division title or a wild card spot. And they probably sneak into the playoffs and lose round one to a team that's just better than them. So I, I don't, I don't think I learned much about the Colts. I think, excuse me, this is just kind of like who they are. Yeah. I think I learned that maybe, I, maybe it was a little bit too eager to write Matt Ryan off. I think I'd say that like, I, I think, he played this game from his back again, but found a way to win. And you can tell how much that meant to him. And I think that because of what he's accomplished in this league and what they have on that team, wins can build maybe a little bit more momentum there than other places. Like I think that there was a big exhale in Indianapolis after this one, and that's going to lead to more wins. Yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest with you with the chiefs. I don't really have a question about them because like you said, like, this after like this game, full on benefit this of the is, doubt you lost. We don't yeah, care. Like, this, well, this is what they do. Like they do this a couple times a year. I have yeah. no doubt about it. Like they, they just have some road games where they kind of sleepwalk through a little bit, try and scramble late, don't do it, and they lose. Like I have, still have no worries about them. I think they'll be completely fine. Like I, I don't I'm know. About, I guess fine. Do you have a concern? No, I don't have a concern. I think that this was the best thing that could have happened to them in week three. You're now going into a matchup with Tampa Bay. A lot of emotions. Could be the last time outside of the Super Bowl that Mahomes and Brady meet. Um, atonement for Super Bowl 55. I think it's I think it's win the week in Kansas City because of the way they lost. I think that there's going to be championship-level preparation and championship-level execution next week against Tampa Bay. You're probably right. Thanks, like The Bills and the Dolphins played with could be considered, I think, the game of the year so far through three weeks. Unbelievable football game. It had everything. It had the South Florida cramping in the fourth quarter. It had a Tua concussion, baby deer legs to coming out of the locker room in the third, inexplicably, despite whatever may have happened underneath in the tunnel. Um, it had frustration from Josh Allen in this offense that everything looked easy throughout the season to this point. Um Playoff type intensity here between the Dolphins and the Bills. Mike McDaniel's three and zero as the head coach of the Dolphins. Two has never looked better. I was so impressed. I was so impressed. Say what you want about Tua coming back into the game, probably shouldn't have, but the way that he executed the ball he threw downfield to Jalen Waddle, he's been 
He's been fantastic. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been an MVP candidate through three weeks. He's proven everybody wrong. He's making a huge statement right now. Tua Tagovailoa was my biggest takeaway. Um, I guess that's Tua not a time. question. Matt, <laughs> is it Tua time would be, I guess, my question. It is Tua time. I don't think they end up winning that division. I still think it'll end up being the Bills division. Um, I, but, man, like talk about a quarterback who has just completely flipped the narrative, who is proving everybody wrong. Uh, that, that was such a fun football game to watch. Um, mine on the other side is kind of with the quarterback, but uh-huh. and this might sound stupid, but I think it makes some sense. Like, are the Bills too Josh Allen reliant? Because it seems like sometimes when they get into trouble are these games where he has to throw the ball. He threw the ball 63 times on Sunday. He yep. ran the ball eight more like, do they need to develop a little bit more balance in that offense? 71 of your 86 plays can't be reliant on Josh yeah. Allen to do everything. It just can't be. I, we talk about Lamar taking too many hits. I know Josh is built, you know, a little bit bigger, but like, man, he, he, he cannot, that can't be a thing. No. And I think the thing that is also a little bit hindering in that respect is he loves mixing it up in a pile after he gets tackled too. Like there's just like too much time spent doing that. And I'm not going to be crit. Like he's a big dude. Crazy shit happens on the bottom of the pile. I respect that, but I I don't need you John with players. Every play. I need you back in the huddle, set in the huddle, getting to the next play, getting the guys where they need to be. I need to see more traditional run out of the bills. I need to see more Devin Singletary. I need to see more Zach Moss, even James cook. I think it's, they're sort of just onboarding very slowly here, but like 60, you can't, you're not going to throw the, the ball 63 times and win many football games. So, and and you can't have Josh Allen be your leading rusher as he was here on Sunday. It needs mm-hmm. to be a running back. So yes, they are two Josh Allen, Josh Allen reliant. Um, the thing that, the thing that um, struck me the most or concerns me the most is sort of dovetailing off of the fact that they have not won a one possession football game in a very long time there. I believe 12, yeah, 10, 10 and 0 in games that they win by more than 10 points. And they've lost the last eight games that are inside a score. Um, so they need to be able to get into a close football game and come out on the right side of it. And I think that comes in the same breath as one, uh, having a little bit more balanced attack. That's not as Josh Allen reliant. And two, the way that they execute in the final 25 seconds of halves. They cost themselves points at the, at the end of the first half, not being able to spike the ball. And they cost themselves points, not being able to get the line. They cost themselves the game at the end of the game, not being able to get to the line and clock it either. So some, some, uh, some specialty scenarios need to be tended to in Buffalo before we can just crown them champions. Yeah. It looks like kind of in those late game situations, late half situations, they're kind of running around with their heads cut off. Lions and Vikings. The Vikings edge out the Lions 28 to 24. Um, I, 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 I hesitate to like continue to give the Lions credit in losses here, but like Matt, how impressed have you been by the Lions early on in this season? They're in every game and their offense is scoring a ton of points. I'm, I don't, I am impressed by them and they, they certainly look like a better more efficient Lions team than we've seen in the past. But just to get you a little bit more specific, how worried are you about the two games against the Lions this year? I don't know yet. I really don't know yet. I'm a little worried, but I They got that dog in them. They do too, but I think the Bears kind of have that dog in them in a a different way. So I don't – I'm interested to see. I also have a Lions question though, and I don't care that we're doubling up here. It's weird that we're doubling up on Lions questions. We know the Vikings are who we thought they were. They're going to be nine and eight, ten and seven, kind of compete for that division, finish second to the Packers. Kirk Cousins is going to play really well against bad teams, really bad against good teams. Um, why is Dan Campbell coaching not to lose? He had fourth and four and opted for a 54 yard field goal to make it 27 21 with way early in the fourth quarter instead of going for it. Like your offense yeah. is humming all year. What are you? I don't you're, wa- you're Dan Campbell and the Lions. What are I don't. You, you're Dan Campbell, and you're I don't want to disrespect. A, I don't want to disrespect Dan Campbell. I but. love Dan Campbell. I think he's done a great job. But that was a you know from the guy who's doing surprise onside kicks and taking all these chances to kick, opt for a fifty. It's you're, Matt Prater's not your kicker anymore. You're opting for a fifty-four yarder to go up six. My Come point on. is. My point is maybe this is where he lacks as a head coach is in-game decision making. Where like he's the great. He's a great guy in preparation. He's a great guy in motivation, like all these other things. He's a great guy at the podium, like all these things that it takes to be an effective head coach. 
the in-game decision making might be his weakness. I think well, we'll he needs that. to pull in Nathaniel Hackett and hire like a game manager coach who tells him what to do. Uh, Ravens and the Patriots. Ravens 37, Patriots 26. Lamar Jackson continuing to let his play do all the negotiation he needs. 11 carries for a buck 07. Five total touchdowns through the year. He was 18 to 29 for 218. He's done everything you could ask of him and more. He's been outstanding. He's thrown the ball on time and on the money to a group of receivers that is even weaker than last year. That might not be fair. Rashad Bateman's looked really good. Devin Duvernay. Devin DuVernay has played well. Uh, Mark Andrews climbed the ladder on that one touchdown. was disgusting. So I, I think that I think that LeBron, LeBron, I think that Lamar is showing unbelievable strides forward and like enough for the Ravens to say, okay, let's not maybe sour this completely because it, it makes total fiscal and business sense to franchise tag him, not just this year, but next year as well, because of the way he plays the game. You have him under contract for guaranteed money and you don't have to make a long-term commitment to a guy who might put himself in harm's way a little bit more often than a normal quarterback. But do you want to take that chance? Do you want to believe in your guy who's been an MVP candidate? Do you want to, make do right by him because he's doing right by you every Sunday. I, yeah, I mean, yes, you want to, it's going to be the question all year, but I, I, it, could, it, just, is, it feels like the question yeah. gets a little bit louder with each one of these performances out of Lamar back to back weeks for the hundred yards rushing. It does. And hear me out. Like we don't get me wrong. This is probably as good of a start as he's had in his career other than maybe the MVP year. But like, We've seen this from Lamar before. He is always really, really good early on in the regular season. And I I, okay. I, I think he's an incredibly talented quarterback. I think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's one of the better ones. But he hasn't shown that he can kind of be this guy for 16 weeks and stay on the field and do this consistently. And if he does that this year, obviously every quarterback's going to have off games. That's, that's a thing that happens. But, like, if he's doing stuff like this in week 16, week 17, week 15 – then yeah, then it's time to have that conversation. But like, this is a conversation with Lamar that we've had before. I love Lamar. He is probably the most exciting player in football to watch because he can do it, you know, do literally anything you want a quarterback to do. You can ask a quarterback to do, but we got to see it consistently through 16 weeks. I'm not saying he can't miss a game because every quarterback misses a game. not saying he can't have an off week because every quarterback has an off week, but we can't see him doing this every week in the, in the, you know, weeks one through four and see a decline and see him throwing for 110 yards and, you know, running for 75 towards the end of the year. We need to see it throughout the season and in the playoffs too. That's fair enough. A little bit of a, a little bit of an Aaron judge parallel there. Hey, what, what are you going to do for me in October type type? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, Mr. October, we need to see it. Uh, well, I guess we are seeing Mr. October from Lamar. Um, you man. have a Patriots it, question. I feel like it's nothing but questions in the land of the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, oof, where do I, I don't even know. Like, it's are they better with Brian Hoyer? Is Matt, you know, but like, are they looking for a quarterback in the draft? Probably. I mean, Bill probably uh, won't. Matt, but. when I tell you, don't ask me to get inside the mind of Bill yeah. Belichick. Because like, the decisions that's a, that's, that he's made from point. the decision he's, the decisions he's made the last two years from a personnel standpoint have made no sense to me. I, I mean, they went tight end crazy a year ago. They don't add at the wide receiver position. Um, it's just from a roster standpoint, I'm befuddled on who these Patriots are trying to be. Um, without it makes Matt no Jones, sense. I think it gets even harder. Um, they're hoping that no surgery is needed on that ankle, which, again, I, I have no idea. I'm not a doctor here, but severe ankle sprain that might require surgery. What does that even mean? That sounds like ligament damage. What is, yeah, like that's not an ankle sprain. That means he has That ligament. sounds like he might not play in the Bears game on Monday Night Football. Could mean that. Uh, Matt, might we do have a bunch win. of games to get to here. So maybe we go one question on each game. Let's go Deal. Bengals, Jets, 27-12. How big of a, uh, how big of a pacifier is this for the Bengals? Is this a pacifier or is this a, more more reflective of who the Bengals are as a football team. Like how much does this quiet your worries about the Bengals? Um, it's a good, I would it totally quiet them, but like it, it, it got a monkey off their back and they went out yeah. with it. And they, they, it's not like they needed a last second field goal to beat the jets. They went to the jets and there was never really a doubt in that one. Like they just kind of took care yeah. of business or only got sacked twice um, as bad as the offensive line was, 
in weeks one and two, they went up against maybe the two best pass rushers in football. And that's still a new offensive line, getting things together, figuring things out at game speed. So I, I'm not terribly worried about the Bengals. I think they'll be fine. They had some, some kinks to worry out, but for me, this was just a, this was a nice, they needed to go out and get a nice decisive win. And they went out and they got a nice decisive win. Burrow played yeah. really well. Offensive line played, played well. Running game was just okay, but it's not really something they tried to establish. It's, it, it was a get right game and they got right. Not to make everything about the Bears. It's the type of win I would have loved to see against Houston. You don't have to worry at any point in the game. You win it by multiple scores. You feel good about it. You move on. I think that the formula for the Bengals is very easy. Keep Joe Burrow upright. He is world-class. He is a top mm-hmm. five, if not top three quarterback in the world. If you keep him upright, he will win you football games. He, yep. he will make he will make the plays if you give him the opportunity to. That's how good he is. Yep. Eagles and Commanders, Matt, you hit me with a question on this one. What, what, what do you want to know out of Eagles commanders? Um, are the, is this an, is an overreaction called the Eagles the best team in the NFC? No, not right now. It is not through three games. They have they look put together the most comprehensive. Uh, and am I worried that Jalen hurts exposes himself a little bit too much? Yes, but he's he's been effective in it. He's gotten down when he's needed to. He's been an MVP candidate as well this year. He's been just as good as Josh Allen. He's been just as good as Lamar. He's been just as good as anybody playing football this year. And Miles Sanders looks great. Um, Devontae Smith, this was kind of his coming out party. Um, they got A.J. Brown over there who's felt a little underutilized since week one. Like They just have all the weapons you can ever need offensively, and the defense has really turned it around and pressured the quarterback. Um it's so Again, rare that commanders, you see Carson but, Wentz, but they did so what they bad. needed to do against that team. It's so rare that you see a team that wins the draft and wins the offseason go out and have this great of a start, but they're doing it. They won the they had the best draft. They won the offseason. Yeah. And look, they're they're firing on all cylinders right away. So good on them. They look fantastic. Vegas knew something too, because when win totals came out right off the bat, I almost came in heavy on them under their nine and a half, which mm. Thank God I did it, but it was, it was like, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like the general consensus of the Eagles was lagging behind whatever Vegas knew. And then they have that off season and now they're executing. They look like a, a true contender. Now they're going to have to win some meaningful games for us to really fully buy in, but they're doing exactly what they need to do early on in the schedule here. Saints yeah. and Panthers, Panthers win it 22 to 14. This might be the game. I saw the least of award. Matt, uh, nah, here's know. my question. What'd you make of this one, Matt? Because I, I got nothing. This is the game that Red Zone forgot. Um, the Lavisca Chenault game? I was going to say, I'm looking at the score, the, uh, the the box score, and it looks like Chris Olave had a really nice game. And I, I, I'm i a big fan of him, and I'm hoping he has yeah, – I, I thought he'd be very good coming out of college. And that was a very, very nice game for him. Um, I, I got nothing. The, the, Saints are, the Saints Jaguars are not winning. who we thought they were. Jaguars beat a dinged-up Chargers team at 38-10. to 10. Justin Herbert looked to be still ailing from those ribs. Joey Bosa goes down with what appears to be a serious groin injury kind of uh i think revealed that pass rush to be what it actually is without him and it's not very good Mm -hmm. um life was made very easy on the jaguars but i do not want to discredit what they've done over the last two games uh trevor lawrence looked fantastic uh travis Etienne, those running backs looked good matt how real are the jaguars or is this just like a kind of a flash moment that we're seeing here if they weren't in that division i would say they're not real but they're in that division, and that's a yeah. very winnable division. Like I, I, it's not unreasonable to say the Jaguars could definitely win the AFC South. I, I, we're not big fans on the Titans or of the Titans. We know who the Colts are. I think Doug Peterson's a, a pretty darn good football coach. I think he gets the most yeah, out of his players it. early on in ten years too. Um, uh, people kind of laughed a little bit at the Doug. You know, when Doug Peterson was getting interviews again, like, oh, why this guy again? It works. It failed out so bad in Philly. He's a good football coach who won a Super Bowl, who knows how to work with the talent he's got. And he's doing a great job with Trevor Lawrence. And man, like that, that guy, so you're talking about a year two jump and getting away from a toxic head, head coach. He, he got away from Urban Meyer. He yeah, got into himself in a really good system who knows how to work with quarterbacks. Man, he looks good. And that team looks good. If you're ever questioning how valuable head coaching is in the NFL, this is your case study, this is right? Exact here. point to this one right away. It's pretty much the same roster outside of a couple things here and there. It's obviously the same quarterback, and you're seeing the development night and day under this coach as opposed to the last. And 
I'll raise my hand. I sat down with Doug Peterson at the combine and this was, I think six, maybe five days after he was hired in Jacksonville, the world was coming at him fast. And I don't think he had really put his arms around his team yet and figured out what he had there. And it kind of, I got the sense that he was trying to take a drink from a fire hose and not a water fountain. And mm-hmm. he has slowed things down. He has simplified things. He has gotten his guys into a position to succeed. Very, very impressed by the job that he's done uh, through three weeks here with Jacksonville. I think they're real. I think we're going to see more wins. And I think that the perception of this team is going to change pretty quickly, largely in part because of the coaching and the execution from that young quarterback, uh, yeah. the Rams and the Cardinals played to a 2012 final, the Cardinals, after that rousing fourth quarter comeback, sort of fall flat on their face, and the Rams win another game in which they're not really asked to do a whole lot. Like, both of their wins have been, I, I guess I would call them uninspiring wins. Mm-hmm. Um, did you learn more about the Cardinals or Rams in this game? Um, I think the Rams, because the Cardinals, uh, that's kind of what I expected from the Cardinals. Um I, I think they're a team that is going to show flashes like they did in the second half against the Raiders, but they kind of are who they were in the second half of the season last year. And that's just kind of who they're going to be under Cliff Kingsbury. So I, I learned more about the Cardinals. I don't, I, the Rams, like, like you said, like they weren't asked to do too much. The, the one, you know, really big test that they had against Buffalo, they felt they kind of fell pretty flat on their face. Um, they always beat the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals are very good. They beat the Falcons at home by hanging on like, I still don't know much about them. I think we kind of just learned that the Cardinals are who we assumed they would be and who they've kind of always been with Cliff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. High ceiling, low floor team. It sounds cliche, but like just to see what they did in that fourth quarter, you're like, oh, okay. The Cardinals, remember? Yeah. And then they completely forget themselves. So I don't know. What college Uh, team is Cliff Kingsbury coaching next year? (laughs) Falcons and the Seahawks, 27-23, another game that uh, maybe didn't get a whole lot of national exposure. Um, Cordell Patterson. That's my takeaway. That's yeah, like, takeaway. Good for Cordell Patterson. Ever, I like there, that guy. Has there ever been a player, or let's be more specific, has there ever been, ever been a position player that has pivoted more effectively than this? Like Sometimes you see kick return guys try and be receivers. Sometimes you see running backs try and be kick return guys. Sometimes you even see defensive backs try and be wide receivers. But to see a wide receiver after like eight years in say, okay, I can't do this anymore. Just hand me the ball. Is there any precedent to what Cordell Patterson's doing? It's still weird, too, because he's wearing number 84 and he carries <laughs> in the backfield. And I keep thinking, like, why are they running? Like, what, what this weird formation? Why are they running another Jets? Oh, no, no. He's actually just a running back now. It's, it's so weird, too, that, like, I feel like all Bears fans still really like him. He had a limited tenure here in a really with a really bad coaching staff. But, like, I still root for the guy. I really liked him when he was here, like. I think all Bears fans kind of feel oddly about that way too. Like, man, good for him. Like really happy for him, really rooting for him. He, he's good for him. Like he's turned himself into a really darn good running back. hundred percent. Like, I think we've talked about it maybe in each of the last three podcasts and it's just, it's, it's a real thing. Like a 17 carries for 141 is not like, you don't oh, fall this into wide that. Receiver, this wide, Debo had a nice day running the ball. No, this is a running back now. Like this is mm-hmm. a true running back. Uh, Packers and Bucks. Didn't show us a whole lot, but uh, Aaron Rodgers edges out Tom Brady in what could be, might not be, the last minute between those two teams. A little bit more likely that they see each other in the playoffs than uh, Mahomes and Brady see each other in the Super Bowl. But 14-12, to 12, Packers scored 14 points in their first two drives, made it look extremely easy, and then nothing really to show for it from that point. I think another credit to this Buccaneers defense, um, to who Very they good. are. Matt... Tom Brady without any real wide receivers staying within two points of what's expected to be an NFC title contender. Like, do you take any positives away from this on either side? I mean, I'm still looking at the bucks as uh, I provided that they can get healthy. And I think they can, like, I think this is your NFC champion. T- uh, I think this is your NFC representative of the Super Bowl. Still, yeah. they're doing like they're they're playing. It just looks really hard right now. You know, like, it does look really like, hard because they're down like, three offensive like linemen. They've been, they're down three offensive linemen and three wide receivers. I mean, hell, the year they won the Super Bowl with Tom, they lost at the Bears. 
Like yeah. Matt Nagy beat them. People forget. Um, people do forget that. Uh, Trans- I don't forget transitive that. property Super Bowl for in Chicago. <laughs> Basically, the Bears won the Super Bowl that year. People forget. Uh, but no, like this, this kind of is what happens in the Brady years that he wins. Like they have these slow starts. They have to take some time to get things right. People keep talking about how oh Aaron Rodgers has a defense. Tom Brady's got a defense too. Like Tom yeah. Brady's got a badass defense that's really really good. If they get healthy, if they get Chris Godwin healthy, they get Julio Jones healthy, Mike Mike Evans stays healthy and doesn't get suspended again. Like, I love that team going into the playoffs. I really do because they can run the football. And if you have those weapons, then teams are going to have to respect them a little bit more, which is going to open up things for playoff Lenny. I'm unfortunate they lost that game, but I'm still very, very high on the Bucs. Yes, I I completely agree with you. Again, super-duper spin zone here, but, like, we're giving Tom Brady the – um, we're giving him the platform to not only be relevant, <clears throat> excuse me, be relevant and, and maintain Super Bowl like expectations, but you're, you're getting that frustration. You're getting that, you're getting that platform to like challenge his team. We're giving Tom like, a challenge and some motivation in the end of the year. Yeah. Like Tom Brady, we've seen how that goes throwing tablets. It might not be easy to be around, but like these guys understand, okay. This dude is either done this year or next year or whenever he's done. But like the simple fact that he's coming to the facility, he's leading our football team. Like we have to win for him. Like there is yeah. such a crazy expectation. Like, yes, every team's intention at the start of the season is to win the Super Bowl. But how real that is, it, it comes on a sliding scale. And at the front of that scale, Tom Brady's expectations to win a Super Bowl could not be any more real. And these moments, these early season struggles and frustrations, I think it allows him to the uh, the runway to challenge his football team, which is yep. uh, which I think could be a very very effective technique here late in his career. 49ers and the Broncos. This game happened. Uh, I mean, do we have to talk about it? This was my lock of the week. 49ers laying the one and a half. It was gross. Um, Not really. We don't have to. It just it happened. Here, here it you bad. go. I asked this question to Brian McFadden and uh, Ryan Wilson on air after the game because we were, you know, trying to trying to make something pretty out of what was extremely ugly. If you had to hitch your cart to one of these two wagons, a team to believe in for the rest of the season, either the 49ers or Broncos, which team is it? 49ers. Um, we've okay. seen time and again. They have these efforts sometimes. We've seen they lost Trent Williams. Now I guess that might change if Trent Williams is out for a, an extended period of time because he's so important that offensive line. But if if they get him back and that offensive line is healthy, I trust Kyle Shanahan to develop a run game. And even if they are ten and seven going into the playoffs, they're still a team that nobody wants to face and can go on the road and beat anybody with the run game. Run game travels. I have more faith in that group just because we've seen them do it before. And Russ just, Russ looks old. Russ doesn't look right. Yeah. Um, that offensive line isn't very good. I don't really, I don't really like Nathaniel Hackett hasn't coached, <laughs> hasn't coached, you know, really a good game yet in three games. So I, I trust the 49ers more because they've earned that benefit of the doubt so far. I agree with most of what you're saying there. It does worry him a little worry me a little bit that Kyle Shanahan doesn't have the running back depth at his disposal. Um, the early uh, Elijah Mitchell injury really thin them out. Um, True, but he's been able is, to find those guys. I think I'd answer that question the same way. Uh, but for the reason that, like, if you're asking me, I'm hitching a hitching my wagon to one of those carts for this year probably the 49ers because they only have $6 million committed to their quarterback and then can figure things out. You have 250 plus million committed to Russell Wilson as the Mm. Broncos long-term. They have some problems. They have some real, real problems. If he doesn't turn around and start executing because he can do the whole smiling. Thank God for this win. I'm so proud of my teammates. Broncos country. Let's ride. But at a certain point we are paying you a quarter billion dollars. You need to make plays. You need to be better. Also, look at that. Look at the two divisions. Um, the NFC West, not what we thought it might be so far. At the beginning. like the the Rams don't look like the Rams team that won the Super Bowl last year. The Seahawks are not good. The Cardinals are who we think they are. Like that division is still going to be pretty wide open, I think, for the 49ers. Whereas the AFC West, I mean, the, the Broncos still have to go through the I Chiefs. Think I think, I think, I think, I think, the, I think the Raiders are going to get better, and I think the Chiefs are really good, and I. I the Chargers, man, I, I thought they were going to be good, but they just can't stay healthy. Now, I did give out uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders as nice long shot tickets, and uh, it doesn't look like those are coming through, but I do feel like I had 
the AFC West tabbed pretty pretty close to what we're getting in that Casey's not going anywhere. Adding Russell Wilson to the Broncos does not cure all your problems and make you a contender right away. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles is going to lose games every single way possible. And the Raiders usually just win enough games to not matter. You know, I think that that's, I think that that is still Kansas city's division head and shoulders above these other teams that we wanted to sort of make cases for in the off season. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Cowboys and the giants Cowboys went at 23 to 16 Cooper rush. Looks like he is making himself some money. Cooper rush is one of the top 25 best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I know three game sample size, but he has two primetime wins, a primetime divisional win on the road. He's been outstanding. He's made Pat. He's made the tough throws when he's needed to. He's not made the mistakes, and he outduels Daniel Jones, which is not necessarily a duel that asks all that <laughs> much of you. But I call it a duel. He's he's led game winning drive yeah, time and again. Threw a per threw a perfect ball to Ceedee Lamb. Didn't lose. Didn't lose confidence too. in Ceedee Lamb after Ceedee Lamb dropped that ball in the first half. Goes to him hard in the second half again. Like I was so impressed by Cooper Rush, um, Matt. Is Cooper Rush's starting quarterback next year in the NFL? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just the nature of the NFL. He's going to start yeah. a few more games here with the Cowboys, probably win a few of those, and you know he's going to have a four and two record probably as a starter this year. Maybe five and two counting last year. Somebody's going to go out and get him and, and pay him some money. Uh, but I, I was impressed with him. I was impressed with the Cowboys. It looked like once they got Jason Peters in there at left guard, what. Uh, you know, good on them for not asking him to be a starting left tackle. They, they know he's a little bit slower now and just said, go run block as a guard. He can still do that pretty well. The run game for them picked up too. Zeke looked really good behind that line. So I, I think the Cowboys have found themselves a nice little formula to survive uh, until Dak gets back, especially with that division being kind of weak outside of the Eagles. So uh, good on them. That was a, a really impressive effort. I, it wasn't a great game, but I don't think it was as bad as that. Like the second half is pretty entertaining half for me. Yeah. Uh, good on them. the second half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa took the over in that one. She said she had over 38 and a half. And oh. at halftime was texting me like, man, it's such a bad bet. I was like, in the hey, like I was like, it happens. Like never say never. And, I don't know give us, and then she's like, it starts coming back. We did like, it. It's like, Oh, we did it. We got it. So um, hell of a backdoor cover there. I'm glad you mentioned Zeke too, because I want to applaud him for not that he has any grounds to be selfish, but like, I'm Ezekiel Elliott. I'm supposed to be a feature back and everybody's talking about Tony Pollard maybe being the one and me being the two. It hasn't mattered to either of those guys. They're hyping each other up on the sideline. They're getting just about equal share, target share, run share, snap share. And mm-hmm. it looks like a very effective one-two punch. So good on those guys for playing selfless football and like just like, hey, let's both go out there and get 70-something yards. That's kind of what it's been early on here. Yeah. Um, I was trying to, we were sitting there when Cooper Rush was doing his post-game press conference, trying to like, he looks like somebody. Who does Cooper Rush look like? He's got that like kind of red beard. My, uh, this might be a little niche, but he looks like Robert O'Neill, the guy who killed Bin Laden and Brandon Whedon had like a, ch- a love child. I was going to it say it looks like, like Brandon Whedon. It, Brandon Whedon, but he, there's some Robert O'Neill in the like mouth area. So I think, uh, right. I think if I you want to like, go back, Robert look O'Neill at, looks like, go, go look at some pictures. It's, it, it's, uh, I think we're pretty spot on, but, Speaking of spot on, that's exactly what Cooper Rush has been. Uh, nothing but applause as we wrap up your week three. I can see it. I can see it. You can see it? You see it? Yeah, I can All see right. it. I can see it. Uh, that, that is week three in the NFL. We'll have week four coming your way fast and furious. Thursday night, quick turnaround for the Miami Dolphins, who are catching three points on the road against Cincinnati. And like, I was hoping that that was going to be a pick em and we could maybe – get Miami at a discount to just try and win a football game on a short week after a war against Buffalo. But I think that, I think that's a really sharp number um, by Vegas. I want nothing to do with it. But no, with that, going man, anywhere near it. Let's talk some locks of the week. You won last week, which moves you to two and one. Two and, I one. Two and one. I lost last week on the Niners, which just made me want to vomit. Um, I am one and two. So you have the T box. Uh, good, sir. It's your honor, your honor. What do you like? You know, I, I gave you Raiders before. Uh, Raiders laying the two and a half at home against the Broncos. I'm going to stay away from it because I don't know what what Raiders pitch teams can show up. We, no, we we talked about them, and I we we, we, we talked about them after their loss. I'm taking the Chiefs minus one and a half against the Bucks. I love the Bucks. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. I think this is a Chiefs team that, like you said lost at kind of the right time. It was a little bit of a wake-up call, like, hey, we actually have to come out and play. This is going to be a game that's probably not played in Tampa. It'll likely be a neutral site game somewhere. 
I think the Chiefs come out and win this one. I, I don't think the Bucks can kind of keep up with that Chiefs offense early. I do think that you're sorry, not early, but early this season. Um, I, I think Tampa Bay's defense is really good, but I think Kansas City's going to do a little bit too much. And I think they win that game by a score or two. Matt, with the hurricane play here, trying to uh, trying to get out in front of the number, I, I do like that one as well. Uh, I am going to give you the and I didn't take it down in my notes, but I know it's the under in the Packers game, and I believe the number forty and a half, forty point five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Packers Chargers under forty and a half. I, I see this Chargers team struggling to score the football, and the Packers have kind of showed that a little bit too. I think that this pace is a little bit slower. I see the Packers winning like a 24-10 ball game play it under the 40 and a half. I like that. I like that. Uh, I forgot to put in the Moose and Ruins parlay this week. Thank God. What a loss. Yeah. That's um, but I will do that again. No, I think we're going to, I think it wins this week. It's I'm, I'm okay with it. Cause I forgot to put it in. Did not, uh, did not pull out my end of the bargain there. We will look to do just that in this coming week, week four. Um, I like to say like we're wrapping up the first quarter of the NFL season, but we're not There's 17 games now. And I can't say that anymore. You can't say halfway point. You can't say first no, quarter. Like, at the end of the first quarter of Sunday's games, we will be through the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. Uh, Matt, you got anything else? Mailbag, uh, burning. No, we, we got anything to our personal? mailbag. No, uh, the Sox let go of Tony LaRusso. That's good. We're letting yeah. that's 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 officially unofficial. Oh yeah, we're officially official. We do like that's a here, nice. here lie the White Sox. Like, yeah, what's the point? They suck. They they quit this year. Massive, massive levels of disappointment. It's you know if they weren't going to win a World Series this year or make this is the way it should be though because this is probably the only way that ins- if this doesn't inspire change, nothing will. I'm not saying full blown change because Jerry Reinsdorf's yeah. going to Jerry Reinsdorf, but if this doesn't, you know. If this doesn't cause some sort of significant change, then nothing's going to. And I can just, you know, make peace with that. Bit of an off-season Balboa. If you could change. Exactly. Maybe change. Jerry. Maybe Jerry. Anyone can change. Even the White Sox. The White Sox. Even the White Sox. The White Sox. Uh, here, that, that, is your, that is your here live, the White Sox, Matt. Um, All right. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, we're, you know we're, we're, we're edging closer to the Blackhawks as well, if you want to keep heartbreak uh, at the forefront here. So we're going to do oh, a Matt's no. Minute at some point. Not, no not heartbreak today, but there. No, no heartbreak not, there. No heartbreak there, but we just want to get we want to get your mind right for a Matt's Hockey Minute in the not-too-distant future. As always, folks, get into that mailbag. Look, NFL mailbags. We haven't got enough of them. Get in the mailbag. Send us your NFL questions. We will do that alongside our uh, NFL breakdowns each and every week. Oh, also, Irish. Road Irish. Win. Nice North win. Carolina. Nice Point. win. How about that? They, you know, terrible defense, but they did what they should against terrible defense. They scored 45 points. Probably should have been 52, but they had a fumble on the goal line late. Good bounce back win for them that was one they absolutely needed and with that we leave you here on the moose and Roots podcast episode 268 i believe oh, is lonzo Long- ball's knee is, is he just not playing this year <laughs> it sure seems like it's trending he just now. said it he couldn't like, run it seems like we're gonna, a, we're gonna get an update every four to six weeks and until those updates start being promised yeah. you can't expect that he's playing this year i'm gonna um, say i'm gonna take love under. this roster i love this team without him uh, he does obviously point. add it. He adds an element, and guard play is the most important thing in the NBA right now. But um, yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up on Lonzo being available this year. We'll, we'll have to have Mark on to to give us a little preseason get into the Bulls before. We, we, maybe one week we'll do my hockey minute. One week we'll have Mark on and talk. Also, a quick personal shout out. Uh, yeah. girlfriend, girlfriend of the pod, Alyssa Berger Mini, doing not only the uh, in-game gambling updates for the Bulls radio broadcast, hosting the Bulls post-game show on 670 to score. Let's go. Pretty, Let's pretty go. cool. Pretty cool. Big so tune, tune into those 670 to score post-game shows. We, we now have two possible Bulls guests that we can bring that's, on with Mark. There we go. And Alyssa Berger Mini. We have enough for a Bulls round table. We could. That's that's a square table. There's only four of us. I think five. Yeah, but you could sit. You could sit. The, the table could be round, and then we could just call it a round yeah, table. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. You're sitting that at a round table. Fun. There you go. He's Matt. I'm <laughs> Joe. As always, hit us up on Twitter. Send us those mailbag questions. Spend the Moose and Roots podcast episode two sixty eight. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. For every care, a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>